buyers don't lack information. Buyers don't lack good information. Buyers don't lack content. Buyers don't lack good content. The problem that buyers have is they're overwhelmed with conflicting information. Oh, there we go. I knew there was a problem because Mike, you weren't, you weren't giving your welcome. You're, you're welcome. I know. Here. I didn't. I, I didn't hear anything, and you're like, "Hey, let's get started." Yeah, I had a, had a feeling. Take two. Take two. So another day, another two hundred million dollar funding round. Yeah. See that, Mike? I did. Outreach. Outreach. Two hundred million. What was it at a four point four billion dollar valuation? Yeah, didn't Gong just raise some money? Uh, <sighs> another round. Uh, I, maybe it was. Maybe it was announced today. Um, I'm, I'm sure. I mean, why not? Yeah, hey. 250 million Series E funding at a 7.25 billion dollar valuation, and that yeah. that got announced today. So, so um, let me look at because so I, I did a little bit of research, Mike, because I don't I don't know, man, I don't. You know, maybe I'm yep, June 3rd, $250 million. So they have raised, they've raised $581 million. $581 million raised. Let's see how, um, I looked at it. Now, now I'm forgetting what, what we had. How, I think Outreach has raised $400 million. Yeah, like four or 450 or something like that. Um, you know, let's take a look. Outreach, uh, 480. So they've raised 500, 488. 0.5 million. They've raised $500 million. Okay. HubSpot went public in 2014. Before going public, how much money did they raise total? I really don't know. Probably 70, 80 million, maybe a little bit more. They raised 100 million, okay. 35 from debt. So their last round was a 35 million debt round. They raised $100 million. They're they're a home run. I mean, the hell, they're a grand slam. They're yeah. What's more yeah, than a grand slam, a right? Yeah. Right. They raised a hundred million dollars before going public. Outreach Gong have raised five times that. It like again, this might be. I might be get off my lawn. I, I I don't know. Is this a good thing? I don't. I don't feel like it's a good thing. I I, I don't. Again, no, no words can explain it. I mean, the, the cost of customer acquisition clearly in the SaaS world because of just how much is out there from an, we talk about attention and engagement all the time. And I guess, I mean, the cost of that attention and engagement is, is expensive. And no, I, I, I don't mind that they're raising my, my, my question is, cause I don't, and I don't know that, I don't think this applies just to SaaS. I think this is, well, no, 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 I, I agree, but I'm saying the cost of trying to grow at the rates that they want to grow have probably no, changed. Do I think it's a good thing? No. My, my question I, is, I, my question I, is this I, kind I, of funding I, I, in the I, private markets versus the public markets. Right. I don't, I'm not questioning, I'm not questioning the 500 million. I'm, I'm quite, because by the way, um, HubSpot's raised several hundred million dollars since. In the, in the, right, right, right. Yep. Yep. Right. Um, is it, is it good? That this is happening in private markets. I, I, I don't think that it is. Um, I think when you look at I, I, I think it connects to all the frothiness. Um, it, 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 it adds to the, you know, um, Pareto distributions that we've talked about in a previous episode. 
Um, you, you bring out Theranos, you know, I don't care what you say, private companies um, are not, you know, they, they, they don't, they don't meet have the same, same standards level, of public they, markets. Right. They don't have the same scrutiny and you, those types of things. I mean, you know, and, 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 it, and it leads to two things, you know, on, on, on one level, it, it, it allows so much of the, I mean, I, I, I get the scalping, right? You know, the idea of, you know, we go public and all of the, you know, you, you get all the gain after we go public. So it's kind of like we undersold. So, but, but it's not like, it's not like the creators are the ones that are actually really benefiting from these additional, you know, these additional rounds, right? It, it, it's the, it's the equity funds. Um, oh, who was without, it that just, without a doubt. Who was it that just had, um, I forget that, you know, they had another raise. Oh my God, I'm going blank. And, and it's like the same, I mean, you remember, so WeWork was funded by uh, SoftBank round, 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 round. And, you know, always at this next higher valuation. Yet, you know, it was the same private equity company that was funding it, giving it that valuation that, that they got to report to their, you know, that, that oh, wait, whoopsie, right? right. So, so you have you have those things happening. So, so, so you've got that shift. Then, then the other thing that happens too, that, you know, legitimately, um, I, I forget where it was that I heard this, that, that someone brought this up, you know, more and more you have, you know, mutual funds, pension funds. Like I, I think it's, um, you know, Tia Kraft, which is the, you know, teacher's um, yeah. pension fund, basically. They, they, they are in essence, like the second or third largest private equity fund. Not that they're doing private equity, but that if you look at the money that they've invested in private equity funds. So when this private equity fund, you know, gives money to Gong and, you know, theoretically that, that benefits Tia Kraft. But now all of a sudden, you know, that's public money, right? In, 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 in the sense of what the public markets were about. And, and it, it's not up to the same threshold. Um, you, you have this major, major echo chamber. Um, I think, I, I think WeWork is, is going to be, um, I don't, I don't think they're going to be as unusual. I, I think you're going to see companies that, that, you know, that have raised, you know, half a billion dollars that, you know, disappeared, you know, Theranos, obviously that's an extreme, yep. but I, I just, you know, there's just too much when there's an imbalance, it's bad. And, and what, what this says to me is there is just so much money and and the other, here's the other element that, I, that I'll get at. I know I'm kind of speaking randomly just because like I saw this yesterday and I'm not taking anything away from outreach, right? I, I got I mean, I got to ask the question. Do, you're, you're basically making the bet that, that outreach is, is, is a bigger, better than HubSpot. Are you, are you, are you going to like, do you, and, and, and by the way, let, I, again, I'm not taking anything away from outreach. I'd say the same thing about sales loft, though sales loft's only rate. Get this, sales loss only raised about $250 million. Yeah. Well, um, I'm sure they'll be announcing another big they, round here shortly. Well, they, they, they announced $100 million a few a few months ago. But, right. But, you know, when, 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 you, when you get this $200 million round, right, you're, you're not looking for 8 to 10 to 12% average rate of return, right, which, which is, you know, theoretically what a public stock is, is, you know, and maybe you go small cap, maybe you're looking for a higher average return because there's higher risk, but, but still 12 to 15%. Right, you're private equity is not looking for that, right? They're no, they're not, no, 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 no. right? They're looking for home runs and you know. right, and 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 so you've got you, you know you've got you had um so what was it you said so Gong Gong at what was the valuation nine billion? Gong was seven point two five billion. So so they've raised five more than five hundred million, 
at a at a seven billion. So so you're what's that? Um, you're looking at a twelve x. Just 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 to break even in essence. Yeah. Right. Um, and 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 so you've got all this money but, that's coming in. But you got to remember, there's all kinds of clauses like ratcheting and things that. like that. Right. Right. I right, understand right. that, but I'm still saying it's not. You're so so you you you've got more money coming in. It's all about you know big bet, big bet. You've got to you know you've got to run for, you know. You 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 in essence have you know you're 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 betting zeros, right? Um, and it it just leads to, you know, we're jump, you know, it it just it it's such a frothy, frothy, frothy market, and and you know imbalances. It, it, it I think it, it's it's all wrapped up. We're going to kind of touch on this in a minute. It just I just don't get it, man. And I well, I, I no, I, I mean, I totally agree with you. And I don't like we've talked about it before. I mean, a lot of this is total financial engineering that folks are doing these days. I think there's also only so many, I can only imagine like the competitiveness that VCs were actually fighting to get involved in this round or equity funds. They were probably fighting with one another to become a part of it. Well, to go, to go completely off the rails, you've got this going on and, you know, minimum wage hasn't moved in 15 right. years. Right. Right. Rest, you know, Restaurants are, you know, fast food restaurants are complaining they can't find workers. I know some of them are, are up to $15, $20 an hour, but, you know, they're offering $10 an hour and they're saying people would rather stay home than work. Well, you know what? Why don't you, you know, I'm, I'm going <laughs> to, why don't you offer them like a real wage? Um, it, it's, it's just this, it's all this. I'm like, well, I know I'm, I, I'm right. like, totally I mean, scattered here. But right. I, 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 right. It, but on, in, in some restaurants defense, I mean, so, like, I mean, we could have a whole episode about this. Um, I, I was talking to a friend of mine that owns a restaurant and, or they own four restaurants. And she was telling me that they are offering cooks 25 bucks an hour. And they st- they're like, no, I, I just, thanks, but no thanks. 25 bucks an hour. And the, 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 the challenge for some of these, and they're a bigger restaurant, but for the smaller restaurants is then they have to go raise their prices in order to break even. I mean, restaurants, using restaurants as an example is pretty hard Actually- because- Running a restaurant is not a very profitable business. It's a good well, cash flow business. You, you, well, you, you have you have the small restaurants where, where right. and again, let's let's not we'll, we'll we'll end up going way down a rabbit hole. We'll 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 save that for another time. Yeah, but but again, you know, my my my, my underlying point is is that you've got it's 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 like you it's like Greek mythology, right? You got you got the Greek gods that are all fighting in the heavens over, um, you know, over these hundreds of millions of dollars and. And and here's the question: Are are, are things getting? Are, are they actually getting better? Is are, are we actually reducing, eliminating friction? Um, you know, it it it. it <clears throat> you know, one of my favorite people that that I'm that I'm you know Twitter, LinkedIn friends with, Saad Assad. Um, he he put on, you know how um, how frustrating it is sometimes dealing with SaaS providers because you know they're you know the, the way integrations work, et cetera, and they're like, oh well, we have. Have a you know, you know, you know, we have a built-in with with Zapier, and he's like, dude, I don't, I don't want to use Zapier. That, that, that's not so integrated. I right. saw your, I saw that you commented on his uh, post yesterday, and I, I just happened to come across it, and I was like, oh my god, this guy just totally gets it. Like, uh, right. and this guy has just nailed it. And every uh, time I hear 
invest in Zapier. I'm like, no, that's not right. like. And then, and then his, his, his killer point was that, look, unless you're like, you're not the center of my life. So unless you're the technology that is the center of my life, then your job is to complement my, you know, what yep. is the center? You're, you're the, you know, you're the side dish. Right. And, and so you, and, and, and so the problem is, you know, there are three products that I've reviewed that I would like to use. I think they would make really nice additions, but their pricing is, is insane because they do seven other things other than the core thing that they're doing. So like one is a really interesting, really strong reporting and analytics app that, that, that for larger advanced sales organizations, I think it's really beneficial. Now, now some of what they're doing is they're addressing the, the, the Frankenstein nature of, of the Salesforce ecosystem, but you know, conversational intelligence. Um, I think there's chat, there's like all these other things. And it's like, dude, I've already got that taken care of. I just want this, right? right. Well, well, guess what? If you look at the money that they've raised, they can't give just this because if they do just this, then then they at least can't tell the story of how they're going to be, you know, the you know the big the guy on the planet that's going to have that twenty. Right, the unit economics just don't right, work. right, and and right. and so you have this, you know, it, it it just becomes insanity. So we better change it. But man, I am telling you, it is crazy. Um, you know, what is it they say? The hotter the flame, the Let's get, let's get on to what our main focus is today. So in our ongoing series of, of let's review the state of the state of state of reports. One of the 5 billion or whatever it was, uh, Google searches. Yeah. The state of the state of reports on LinkedIn. Um, this isn't brand new, but it's relatively new. LinkedIn released their state of sales report 2021 for the United States and Canada. Um, and so we're going to break this down um, to, to make it easier. Before we get into it, I'm going to share the seven trends that come from it. And then we'll walk through the seven trends so that people a will know what the seven trends are. Um, they can maybe jump around. Um, if they want to hear certain things, but trend one is virtual selling is good for sellers and even better for buyers. Huh? Sales organizations and managers must adjust to a remote working world. Now sales organizations are preventing sellers from putting buyers first. That's the third, the fourth, these six sales behaviors are killing deals. The fifth somewhat self-serving sales technology provides the key pathway to building trust. The seventh, for sales organizations, data is more crucial than ever. Wonder why that's not number one. Seven, somewhat self-serving. Okay, a lot of self-serving. Buyers and sellers are ramping up their use of LinkedIn. Yes, the use of, of LinkedIn is one of the seven top trends of the state of sales in the United States and Canada. Hmm. How'd that make the list? All right. <laughs> Let and it's 47 pages long. Yeah, it's 47 pages, but you know, there, yeah. there's, there, there's some good no, stuff there, in there. there. There is good, there, there, there's interesting information in there, no doubt. Um, all right, so, so, so Mike hasn't, you know, fucked the whole, it said fuck the whole report like he did last, uh, last episode when we talked about proposals. I don't remember um, ever uh, using I mean, that's not the words that you use, but that's, you know, if you, if you wrap them up into a summary, three words or less, that's what you said. Right. Uh, we, 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 we pulled you off that. Um, who knows, maybe you can start doing proposals, who knows? All right, let's go into number one, uh, the first trend. Um, virtual selling is good for sellers, even better for buyers. 50% of buyers 
say working remotely has made the purchasing process easier. Um, 70% of buyers want to continue working remotely half or more of the time in the future. That's the finding. So I'm, I, you know, because the next one, you know, the next trend is um, sellers have to adapt to remote selling now. Um, what is it? Sales organizations and managers must adjust to remote working to remote working world now. We'll do the, the the virtual selling, the selling part of it. We'll cover that in uh, in the second trend. Let's focus on the buyer side. Um, what's your take? What's your thought on the first trend? Virtual uh, selling is good for sellers, good for buyers. I mean, it, it's a it's a very very broad statement. Um, I I would say that you know that there are certain you know one what are you selling what are you buying that's number one. Number two is. Uh, I don't totally understand where they say buyers say we're working remotely has made the purchasing process uh, easier. I mean, this seems to me to be a work from home versus not work from home argument um, in, in, in this first point. I, I, I could not, after reading this, I couldn't come away with understanding what they were trying to, to really say here. So I think what they're trying to say is virtual selling is here to stay. Um, but what, I mean, but that, okay, so that's fair. Um, so I, I hate the term. Already, wasn't there already a lot of momentum behind that prior to pandemic? You know, there, there, I, I have that question. I'm, I'm not a good audience for that question because I've been doing this for for decades. Yeah. Um, but you know, I, I, I think the side that that maybe hasn't gotten the same attention. Um, oh, I'm sorry. I started to say something. I hate the term virtual selling, mm -hmm. right? Because because we're not virtual selling. If if you want to call it remote selling, I I, I could get that 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 would be better than virtual selling. Though though I don't really like that either. I I would probably go with the term distributed selling, um, because I think what's what's fundamentally different is your sellers aren't all together, right? Like like why when I was I mean. A few years ago, SaaS brought the major shift from outside sales to inside sales and inside sales actually making big sales, right? You know, HubSpot's built a, you know, billion dollar business, billion dollar revenue business, you know, with, with basically no outside sales team, right? Yep. And, and, and so why, why when they were inside HubSpot, why was that selling? But now that they're doing it from home, that's a virtual selling, right? Well, what's different is they were all in one place. And now they're in seven different places, right? So, so I do think, you know, there, there was a question about that because I don't think, I don't, you know, having done, having, having implemented an outsourced sales development program where our SDRs were work from home, I know we had to overcome that being an issue. People are like, well, that, that won't work. They have to be together, right? So, so I think, you know, the, the remote part was, was there, but but the distributed part needed to be proven. But but there hasn't been as much about you know what does the buy side think about this. Mm -hmm. Now, my my difficulty is I, I would like to see the question, and 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 maybe it is as simple as what they have here. But but what's what are the other questions? Because one of the things you know about surveys and research is, you know the the questions used overall influence how people view the questions that are asked specifically. So, so I think a lot of this is the purchasing process as it relates to dealing with sellers. Because one thing I do know that is more difficult on the purchasing process, um, 
when you're distributed, when you're in this, you know, remote work from home environment is you don't have, you know, it, it's harder to have those, those side conversations that, that the purchasing side has. Like, you know, just today I was talking to somebody who needs to talk to their boss. Well, you know, a year and a half ago, that conversation would have happened when they passed in the hallway. Yep. Now it's they, you know, Hey, I'm really busy today. You know, th so that, you know, that that's a harder piece. I, I think this really comes away. Um, it, it, the, many, many years ago, Faith Popcorn wrote a book about the future and she used a term called cocooning. And that's what's happening. I, I think what's made it easier is um, it's easier to avoid salespeople. Right? <laughs> that, it is easier to avoid salespeople. Yes, right. Right. Um, it is easier. Um, we've got a client in, in a situation where there is, you know, intractably a hidden, invisible ghost decision maker. Like, and we know, like, they're the, they're the key ones and you can't touch them and you can't. Um, I think that would have been harder for them to have maintained in, in the pre-environment. It's much easier just to say, look, you guys do these calls, you do the Zoom meetings, then, you know, bring, bring your, Come your back findings with to a me. proposal to us to, to right. right. Yeah. You, you know, you know, many, many years ago, Walmart um, made famous that, you know, they, they, they disallowed their buyers to meet with salespeople. Right, right, all, right, right. Yeah, their procurement right. folks and their buyers, right, could not meet with. with right. Sales. You know, all email yeah. had to come over email because yep. one of the things they realized was that one-to-one -one live communication could, could have influence outside of what the, you know, what, what that core element is. So, you know, I, I think to some degree that that's where that continuation of this is. I think procurement probably is more easy. You know, it's more easy for them just to um, come in with whatever that that you know the procurement role is. So I think this just you know I think it makes avoidance easier. And I think that, um, so, so I do think that, you well, know, the implications no, you bring up a, a about good here. point. Also on the buyer's side, it does make it easier for them to ultimately say no, um, especially when you had these in-person meetings. And I mean, I can tell you plenty of stories where, you know, you'd go meet with a group and then you take them to dinner, take them out for drinks and, you know, you're building a relationship and then they didn't want to give you the hard news. So then they ghosted you for a while and then eventually you kind of gave up. But now a buyer's like, I don't have that personal oh. connection. Or it's just not, it's not a solution. I never did this and I could never do this, but I knew some people that, you know, when they were having stalls, they would just, I mean, and they would like, I know somebody who did this at like fortune 500 companies and it worked. He'd just show up. Yeah. Right. He'd just show up and he'd, you know, and by the way, you know, you, you remember the movie. Um, well, I, worked, right? I worked, I worked, I definitely worked from some customers' offices. I would just go in and they'd be like, here's a desk for you, Mike. And well, no, but, but that, but that wasn't the, you, you weren't doing that from, from the standpoint of somebody that you were having an issue with. Like, this is somebody that like it had stalled. They were beginning to ghost that whole thing. So he just showed up. Right. Yeah. And you know, it's the, it's the old Bud Fox, you know, he had, he had befriended the receptionist so he could get into there, you know, and he'd befriended, you know, all the gatekeepers loved them. Right. And he'd get in and, and you know, you, you wouldn't be able to avoid it or, or, you know, again, those side conversations, et cetera. So I think that's just that, you know, that's an example of it's easier for buyers to cocoon and insulate themselves from. So that, you know, and that, that, by the way, is a big adjustment. And that's why I like the word distributed, right? Because there's nothing virtual about what we're doing. Right. I, 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 I totally right? agree. Right. The, 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 the difference is, is the distributed. All right. Sales organizations and managers must adjust to a remote working world now. All right, let's get, let, let's get past the first one. Duh. 
Right now, no offense to LinkedIn. I'm not sure we needed a survey for that. Let, 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 let's look at some of the interesting things some, with some of the data. 86% of sales managers agree that the ability to cope with change is more important than it was five years ago. Okay, my problem with that is I think if you had asked that question five years ago, somewhere around 86% of sales managers would have said it was the ability to cope with change was more difficult than it was five years before. Five years ago. Right. I don't think that that's ever changed. Um, but here, here's where we get here's where we get into some interesting um, numbers. Sales organizations are adapting in a variety of ways. Our survey data showed that these changes are the most common cited by the sales professional. Measuring sales process and outcomes in different ways, adding new technologies, instituting new hiring practices. Um, thoughts? I mean, I understand. I mean, all of these are, are definitely, um, you know, certain, you know, trends that are, that are occurring, but I, I feel like there's, there's not a whole lot new here. I mean, any, any growth oriented business is always evaluating these things. Okay. So I think it is different. I, I think there is a, a major see that has happened um, and that we're experiencing um, measuring sales process and outcomes in different ways. Um, you know, one of my favorite scenes in the movie Moneyball, the first meeting, Brad Pitt's spitting into his uh, spittoon um, and all the old scouts there and they're talking, you know, he just doesn't look like a ball player, right? Um, it's the old eye test, the eye test. The, and, I, and I think, you know, like, I, I can't imagine a better metaphor for traditional sales management and, 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 and for dominant sales management than that, right? Right. And, and so... You know, so many. He doesn't sales drive the Land Rover or the Range Rover. He doesn't wear his nice black suit to work every day. Right. You know, but, shoes but, are polished and. But, you know, so 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 the you know the old sales manager, you know, like the, the, the traditional sales manager, sales leader, relationship based. So you know, the, their measurement of accountability was, um, you know, do I see the rep? Do I get a feel for what's going on? I you know, do I have a pulse? Like, you know how you know how many people had pulse. Right. And now you can't get that. Right. I know as a manager, you know, as, when I start when I started managing larger organizations and I didn't know everything that was going on, I know that used to I mean, frankly, it scared the you know what at him. Right. Because right. because you, you didn't have that pulse. So, you know, the, the, the number of sales managers that would and, and, and sales leaders that, that, you know, accountability was pulse. It was it was the feel of the rhythm. Um, so I so I do think that that's a major change. I, I think you haven't done it that way. But remember, we're you know, you, you, you've always worked, I think, at, 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 at you know, top peer organizations that, that, that did have their act together, right? Mm -hmm. that, 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 that's not necessarily the norm. So I, I do think that's a big change. Do you agree? Yeah, no, no, no. The, way that, the way that you phrase it now, yeah. And I mean, you're right. I mean, I've always worked in a distributed work, you know, in a distributed work environment. Um, and, you know, you know the, the, other, the other element that's different too is, you know, that distributed buyer environment, you can't view the buyer activity the same. I mean, it used to be you could measure the progress of a sales of, of, of enterprise sales where you were by by meetings that typically involved multiple people from the buyer. Yeah, 100%. Right. Absolutely. And now you're right. dealing with. Yes. It, it, right. Absolutely. And and I, I don't I don't think, you know, you, you would have, you know, how many two hour, three hour, four hour meetings did you have in your sales process? 
you probably had several. Yep. Right. I, I, I don't think you have two hour, three hour, four hour zoom meetings. No. Right. Right. That, 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 that doesn't play. Um, I think that, you know, in the acceleration on the buy side where, you know, we do have more self journey. Um, and it is also a lot easier for someone not to be there. Right. If we're all at the office and the meetings here and it's in this conference room, if you don't show up to that, that was that was a faux pas. If you say, hey, guys, I'm going to skip a lot going on today. I'm going to skip out on the Zoom meeting with the sales guy with, you know, you know, with, with the potential vendor today. I don't think it's looked at the same. Right. That is right. That, that's right. That's very interesting. And now now some of the other underlying elements that, that were probably true before, you know, how much self consumption is coming on, you know, the, the growing use of video, you know, all those things. So, so that. You know, I had one manager who used to tell me he had, you know, if he could only measure one thing in, in you know, for his sales team to know, are we on course or is what, what you know, what was the T&E spend, right? If the T&E spend went down, something was wrong, right? And if the T&E spend was too high, then something was too wrong. Too high, right. right? Something's wrong, right. Right. But, but, but was my team out there? Were they taking enough people to dinner, right? They're, you know there was not cause and effect there, but there was certainly correlation. Yeah. Right. And, and so, you know, that, that old eye test thing is gone. So I, I think, you know, you become aware of something that had been growing over 10 years, um, you know, which, which opens up, you know, the adding the new technologies, which we'll get to later. I think that's a little bit scary for, for a number of reasons. Cause I think people are looking at technology I actually had someone say, yeah, that's not going to be a problem because the tech, it's a it's a opportunity for us to implement, you know, you know, well, HubSpot's going to take care of uh, getting the leads and getting them to marketing qualified. So we didn't, and I'm like, guys, the technology is not going to actually do it. Like, HubSpot's right, not actually going to do right. anything. Right. right. It's going to give you the plumbing. You still have to push the right. water through it. I, I, right, I, right. Hey, I had a long conversation once again yesterday about silver bullets and it, it's just like, ay, ay, ay. Right. Um, instituting new hiring practices. That's interesting. Um, I'm, I'm, I, I would like to see more. And I, and I think you and I would agree that it's what's missing is instituting new hiring practices. Uh, oh, tell me more. What, what does that mean? Right. And, and, and we don't yeah. get that. It's going to drive me crazy. Um, the, you know, the number of reports that are going to show in, you know, remote work is on the rise. They, they're, you know, they're showing 2019 to 2020, 31% to 49%. 2021, 53%. Well, we're, we're going to be in 2022, 2023 before we have any real, like no kidding, remote selling is on the rise. It in is the last on the year. rise, right. Right. So I, you know, I don't really know what that means. Um, and, and then, you know, there's, there's the jump to sales ops, sales enablement and customer success will remain a hiring priority. Um, percentage of survey respondents who say they will be hiring significantly more in these roles, sales enablement, customer service reps, inside sales, sales managers, sales ops professionals. So, you know, that's interesting. Um, the only thing they're not hiring is just straight sales. So, so there's definitely a shift. It's going to be, um, you know, it's going to be interesting. I, I, I think one thing to watch out for, I, I think companies are going to lose some, some growth muscle mass. Um, I know that one of the problems that a lot of newer salespeople, when we coach have, it's like someone forgot to teach selling in sales right. training, right? There's, there's so much process. Um, like, you know, five years ago, 
I had to explain to salespeople what a cadence was. Now, you know, the the three month old baby is like, what's your cadence? Yeah, we'll just set up a cadence but, for that. But, right. oh, but yeah, we'll, we'll just set up a sequence, and, a, a cadence. And you know, we're gonna come to this in, in, in a little bit. Um, That's do, <laughs> do, do they know how to have like their loot? The, the ability to have a relevant conversation, the ability to. They, okay, so I, when I was reading this, one thing that really, really stuck out to me, um, and, and it goes back to something we talked about uh, in, a, in a previous podcast, and that comes down to one of the most important skills that you can learn in business is business acumen. And I think it's going to be incredibly hard for people, especially in the selling environment, to get to get real life situational awareness of having those real conversations with people. Like, tell me about like, what, what does your business really do? What, what is your deep role within this? What is, you know, those types of things. I think it's gonna be very, very hard because those, I wasn't learning necessarily, like me personally, I learned some things in kind of like those, I don't wanna call them formal meetings, but those, those meetings where it's to talk about X, Y, and Z, but it's it's the it's in the hallway, it's in the in the you know dinner meetings, it's in the and so that's where I learned a tremendous amount about kind of my situational awareness and and, and being able to have intelligent conversations with people no matter what business you know business you're in. So so the you're you're absolutely right that that the opportunistic side of picking things up is 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 getting harder though again i'm i don't know that that's new per se that that that's the shift from outside to inside sales right if you're if you're inside sales you're not having those hallway conversations i i, I think one of the things that that's interesting and different is those big sales meetings that i was talking about those were the culmination those, those were consolidation points of a good sales process of all the footwork that you did um you know when when i was selling the norm was you know you you would have multiple conversations with multiple people as you were building yep. this up that would come together that would come together and and I think more and you know so so like the sales meeting wasn't where you did your work that was the game and and all the things in between were were the equivalent of your practice right that's, um, a, that's an awesome and, analogy and 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 but but I also think you know the other the other thing that has changed. I don't think like I don't think you get to ask those questions, and I don't think that's new. I don't I, like if I have to ask you. So tell me what what does your business really do? Tell me what like you know, you know you need to understand that on your own to be able to ask the question or have the conversation or deliver the insight. You know, I'm I'm working with a company right now, and one of the things we're trying to get the sales team to understand is it message is not the words that you say. The words are the are the last piece of it. It's the questions you ask. Well, it, it it's even more than that. It's like, you you know how when you talk to somebody that all they know is the words that you say or the questions that were asked. You know, it's not the, it, it it it's the third follow up question that you ask. It, it it it's the question that you could never have planned for. That just show, yeah, this person, this person understands what's going on, right? That that can cause people to change their course and speed. Um, change their course and speed of thinking. 
and that's where I'm talking about kind of like the way you get into the, the way you learn how to ask that third question is through, you know, through experience. Um, and I, that, that, that's what I'm trying to, that, that's what I'm trying yeah, to so say with regards we're, to business acumen. We're, 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 we're going to hit on this in just a minute. Let's go, let's go to what I thought was the most insightful part of the report. Um, it's worth a download just for this. <clears throat> Trend number three, sales organizations are preventing sellers from putting buyers first. And, and, and some of what you were saying, and I forgot this was the next trend, is all these things are happening and it's not the salesperson's fault. The, 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 the process is, is, is leading to the problem. I love this. Absolutely. I, I love this. I circled it. I started. 65% of sellers say they always put the buyer first, but only 23% of buyers agree. Now, the quote that's interesting is the selling process has changed to the buying process is the best way I can put it. Wrong. And that's another aspect of the symptomatic, right? It hasn't changed. What, what has not changed is, but I'm sorry, going from selling process to buying process is just a flip side of addressing the symptomatic coin. It's what, what's happening is a decision process. Until selling organizations understand inherently what we are doing, what we are managing, what we are facilitating, what we are leading, what we are influencing is a decision process. Until they understand that, we're, we're going to keep, you know, running around in, in, in circles, you know, saying this, doing something else. I'd like to turn, I'd, I'd like to turn facilitating a sales, uh, facilitating a decision process. That's what it all comes down to. Yep. So the buyer first philosophy, learn, then define, share readily. Um, buyer first selling is all about transparency, always empowering buyers with information solve don't sell deliver value earn trust okay so there's a little bit of platitude here um i i don't agree that that share readily as a matter of fact i think share readily is a problem and gartner's got great research on this they're you know their their, their sense making research just nails this buyers don't lack information buyers don't lack good information buyers don't lack content buyers don't lack good content the problem that buyers have is they're overwhelmed with conflicting information, right? It's curate effectively, right? The, the great seller of tomorrow is going to curate, right? They're, they're, you know, they're a giant filter. It's I'm going to have the ability to understand you, and I've got the expertise to understand the subject, and I'm a matchmaker. That's what a great seller, I mean, I think a great seller has always been that, but, but that is truer than ever today. And we're not building those people and our processes aren't building that that doesn't that does not come from technology and you've got all this technology out there this is sales enablement technology that is promising. Our algorithm is going to determine the the piece that needs to be sent in this in this space and let me seed. That the algorithm is right. I don't believe we're there yet, but let's just say that the algorithm is right, I don't know if you know this or not i'm sure it will surprise you. I was on the debate team in college. I did not I've, know that, but it, 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 it does not surprise you. It does not surprise me. You know, by the way, one of the things I learned on the debate team is is formally how do you argue how do you argue both sides? Yeah. You know what what would they say the definition of a great coach is? Someone who can beat you you with his and his with yours, right? I can beat your players with my players. I can beat my players with your players, right? That's the definition yeah. of a great coach. Um, well, 
I had the opportunity. So we, I was in a national debate and um, I was up against Harvard, West Point, Naval Academy. Um, you know, one of my big um, pride things, I, we beat Harvard. I beat Harvard. This is all coming together now that you told me you're on the debate team. Okay. But I went to, I went to shitty little Shepherd College um, where we, you know, we, we, we had 11 people on the debate team, if we were lucky. Harvard has like 72 people on the debate team. And, and so- And a line of a thousand people trying to get on the debate team. And, 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 and so, uh, so by the way, being on the debate team doesn't mean you actually get to debate in tournaments. But in, when you're a freshman and sophomore, do you know what you do on the debate team at Harvard and Annapolis and every other great school? Do you know what you do? You no. research, you research, right? Makes sense. So, so we're coming in, right? And I'm carrying, I got, I got one of my big, you know, one of the, you know, one of those plastic things you get at Staples for, for files. I'm walking in with that. We're coming up against, you know, we go into this national tournament. We're coming up against, you know, Harvard, these others. So Harvard wasn't the only one. They came in with two drawer file cabinets, two of them each on those, you know, remember those old rollers before you had the roller right. board suitcases. <laughs> so they're rolling in four. Um, they've got, they've got eight file cabinet drawers of the full metal file cabinets. Um, because by the way, when you're debating, you don't just get to say something, you have to source everything that you're saying. Right. And they, and they have their, they, they open up their notebooks and I, you know, well, you know, one of the fun things was the parties that happened in between the debates when, when you're at these tournaments. So I got to learn what was going on. And those, those, um, those notebooks were just all, you know, cross tabs, indexing everything. So you could find whatever you needed by whatever was needed. And so anytime a point come, came up, you know, so you'd have round one, you'd open up, then, you know, the other team would have to come back and they'd have a few minutes that they were allowed to prepare. They had to pull out their sourcing and, and this and that. Right? And so what they would do was they would go to their notebooks to find what points that they want to make. They pull it out. It was just like amazingly efficient. It's like, holy cow. You know why we were able to beat them? Because no. Because we came up with an original argument. They could access anything at a moment's notice, but I knew everything. And they had easily 20 times the material file cabinets of, right right um but i knew every piece that i had because i did the research right i didn't have anybody to do research for me so i was able to put together an original argument so like the 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 underlying arguments weren't developed by the people that were debating so we were able to put original thought together and they could access the stuff but they couldn't make the argument so, so if it was based on source, and by the way, I got to see some of the judging cards, we lost on source, but we won on the argument, right? Because I was able to curate, I was able to apply, I was able to look at what was underneath, right? And, and that's what's been lost in sales, right? And, and, and these systems that we're building out, as, as that algorithm pops up, what we're doing is the reps becoming another step beyond so you send me the perfect piece of information, but your conversation is just not, it just doesn't quite have the depth because how many reps have actually read any of the content that they send to their customers? Right. right? And, and, yeah. and so like that, that's where that alignment comes in. So those things all come together. I do all the right things to solve, not sell to this, not that, right. But, but the trust isn't earned because the touch points don't align, right? 
you know, one of the things, and I'm not trying to toot my own, but one of the things that enables me to win in sales processes, and I think this is one of the things that, you know, when we first started working together, that, that caused you to go, wow, maybe this, he does know something, is that people are like, you could probably do my job, right? Now, maybe I couldn't do their job as well as they could, maybe, you know, like, and, and by the way, I couldn't do their job, but I could do the part of their job, right? I understood them in that area better than they understood themselves. And, and we're taking that all out of sales. And that's what worries me about this. And we're, you know, I'm seeing, I'm, I'm coaching reps and like, well, I'm going to send them this. I'm, gonna send, I'm like, no, 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 no. We've, we, we've made the argument. We've, we, there's plenty of argument. We're not, we're not losing this because we didn't make enough because argument. Because we didn't, right. We didn't make the argument right? for us, right. You know, a lot of times is we need to reframe the argument. It's like, well, well no, 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 it's, it's, it's the no more. thought part of it. it right. Right. It, it's, it's, it's no more about why your solution is better. It's you, you've got to help them understand why the thing that, that they think is the right one, maybe that's not the right one, right? How, how do you begin, you know, to shift the prioritization scheme and things like that? that that's the element, you know, that, that is the underlying driver of decisions that, that's just getting totally taken out of sales. Yeah. Um, it can, you know, the disconnect over buyer first, some really good stuff here. So the, 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 the question becomes, that that actually was was a beautiful story, and I'll make sure that I, at some point, um, talk to you more about the debate team because that that's super interesting. But how do you, how do you solve that? Like, I'll, that, I'll, I'll come to that in a minute. Okay, because I want to get it. I want to I want to highlight some really fun stuff. You know, read the report to get the details here. It's page twenty. Um, it's laying out both buyers and sellers see these behaviors as buyer first. This was my favorite one. 82% of buyers being completely transparent about pricing think that that's a buyer first behavior. And my favorite, 89% of sellers think being completely transparent about pricing is a buyer first practice. And, you know, 60 some percent say they're always, they always put buyers first. Yet how transparent are people with pricing? This is my favorite. Um, being completely the, the buyer is the seller completely transparent about pricing? 30% say yes. 46% of sellers say they are. So 89% of sellers say it's a buyer first behavior and only 46 are. So, so this gets to your answer. This is what they identified as the barriers of buyer first. Lack the right skill set among existing sales talent. The emphasis on meeting short-term sales or revenue goals. Limited budgets. Limited commitment to training. Inadequate coaching. Organizational culture. I don't disagree with those findings, but what I'm going to tell you is they're all symptomatic, right? They're all symptomatic of bad structure, right? Here, we there. What you're saying is all of up. those. So what you're saying is all of those things, and I, this is interesting, uh, add up to that bad structure about bad bad foundation. No, no, no. That's not what you're saying. No, all of those are the byproduct of bad structure. They don't lead to bad structure. To bad structure. They're caused by bad structure. They're called by bad structure or bad foundation. Right. Here's what we need to understand about the traditional selling process. The traditional selling process is not broken. It's just bad. The traditional selling process delivers a pretty consistent result, right? It's not a bug. It's, it's a feature, right? When 76% when of, of, of people's experience is the same, the, the system's not the problem. I'm sorry, the, the, the behavior's not the problem. The system is the problem, right? And so we keep trying to fix it. We're rearranging decks on deck chairs on the Titanic, right? That's what's happening. We, we need to understand that selling today is different in kind. It's not about degree. 
we need to rethink the process. And, and until we do that, we're just going to keep revisiting this. You know, you can go back to one of our first podcasts with, with, with John Barrows, where we dropped more F-bombs than I think every other episode before or combined. since combined. Yep. Um, but, you know, what John and I agree on is when we first got into sales, and I probably got into sales 10 years before, before John did, so I, I'm in sales 30 years. 30 years ago, everyone was saying, you know, sales is broken. It's totally different than it was 20 years ago. And it's been said every year since. Guess what? It's not broken, right? You can't fix. You can't fix when something new has to be built. So how, how do you fix it? Um, you know, we, we, we can talk about this on, on another episode. Let's put into the, uh, into the show notes. We've actually put a video together on the foundation. We call it the Revenue Acceleration Framework. Right. And, and, and it's about identifying and enabling. Like, I don't, we keep trying to replace the sales conversation. We keep trying to replace the salesperson, right? The algorithm is trying to replace the salesperson. Well, if we're going to do that, then, then yeah, the, the, we're, we're going to build a self-fulfilling prophecy that 80% of salespeople are going to become irrelevant because we're just making them sales bots, right? We have to figure out where do the conversations matter? Where, where does the human element create add value? Where does it extract? Then we need to enable, right? And, you know, we, we, you know, we use that, someone's using that as a crutch. We use that as a negative all the time. And we use it as a negative because we're saying, well, you know, they're not thinking, they're being lazy. And, and that's the bad implementation of a crutch. But a good implementation of a crutch is a good crutch stabilizes, a good crutch enables, right? As a matter of fact, what the body does naturally is brace, right? So, so what we need to do is we need to enable the conversation, make it easier to have the conversation. You know, frankly, we need to train more on the structure of a strong conversation and, and, and less on the details of, you know, what am I specifically supposed to say? I, I, I think it's somewhere around it's in the last three to well, five years. That's it. That's it. That, that actually is a really key point, what you just said there, which is the, 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 the stop training on exactly what to say and learn how to, how to, how to, how to structure a conversation. Yeah. I, I think the, like the boon of the sales training world was probably 20, 25 years ago. Um, you know, that you, you remember the days with all these trainers and the people oh, who were selling I mean, sales right. training were yep. like, Hey, Tom Hopps is going to be in town. He's doing, you know, he, he can be at your business Tuesday morning. And this person was like, you could do all. And, and they would do that free all the drum up to go to their big public things, et cetera. Um, and, you know, one of the, one of the downsides of, of, you know, when sales training, when sales training was the thing for lack of a better, um, you, you, you ran where like you over-focused on technique and, and like, you could tell, oh, you're a Hopkins salesperson. You're a Sandler salesperson. You're a this salesperson. Cause it was all technique, technique, technique. You know, then, then sales training kind of lost some of its allure and, and, you know, other things were going on. Technique kind of sort of wasn't as, as acute as um, for, for a period of time, or, or maybe I just didn't see it. But as technology has emerged and we've all become, you know, hyper linear process, algorithm driven, we're, we're back to like, we're just so over technique. Yeah, you know, like the emails are the same. And we, we, I know from the email, what's the seven steps that are going to have to happen after that. And it's like, if your email is that predictable, then, then, you know, when do you have 50 minutes to have a value laden conversation? Well, shit, 
the fact that you asked me for a value-laden conversation demonstrates to me that there's no value in the conversation, right? Um, and and so we become, you know, and that's what these algorithms are doing is we're 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 trying to identify, you know, we're 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 obsessed with intent. It's constant regurgitation, is, right? Is really and 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 so I'm like, here's the thing: if if someone's got a good friend, then they have the ability to sell, right? Let, let, let's teach the underlying structure. Um, let, let, let's measure the right things. You know, maybe that should be one of our next episodes talking about measuring the right things. Um, but, but you know, that, that, that's ultimately how you fix it. All right. I know we're running out of time. Um, oh, this is like, I hate this one. Top performing salespeople listen more than they speak on sales calls. Yeah, that's true, but they're not top performing because they listen more. Um, they, they do talk about active listening. Here's what active listening is. Do you hear what's said? Do you hear what's not said? Do, do you hear what, do you not, do you not only hear what's said, do you hear what was meant? Listening more is a lot of that, right? Now it's interesting because there's also some gong data. I'm going to actually find it. There's some gong data that shows that the top salespeople actually speak more. Like they're, they, you know, blew a hole in the, God gave you two ears and one mouth, right? Um, look, I've broken the listening rule from the beginning of my life, but but when I was at Merrill Lynch and, and Merrill Lynch would do surveys on their people, do you know what the number one attribute that I had that, that, that my clients and, and even prospects who didn't buy from me, what they said my number one strength was? I'm a great listener. I, I talked way too much. I, I totally acknowledge that. But, but when I talked, people felt like I heard. Like they may not have yeah. even said it, right? But that's what know your customer. But that's situational. I mean, that, that is the situational awareness that, you know. And, and, and so this next one comes in, I think it begins to get at the core of the problem. It's trend five, sales technology provides the key pathway to building trust. The key pathway. Huh? Now, now maybe what they're saying is that sales technology done correctly provides insights and frees the rep from having to do non-value activities that enable them to put their attention on the person. But again, this makes it sound like the technology does the solve. Oh, I have Zoom info and Zoom info tells me that this person's been, yeah, that, that, that's not the pathway to trust, right? The pathway to trust is, do you understand me better than I understand myself? Yeah. Right. Do you understand where I can get screwed? Do you have my backside take? Like, do, do, do I feel that? Do you um, understand the risk that I'm taking in these particular situations? Yeah. Do you understand it better than I do? You know, I, I, I teach those people this all the time, you know, Teach them all the places it can go wrong. Tell them there's 52 places that where this can go wrong. And the buyer goes, wow, I only knew, I, I was only able to figure out seven, right? We're all told, don't talk about the downside. It's like, no, man, I know the 50 ways that this would go wrong. And by the way, 30 of them, we actually can't do anything about, and you can't do anything about. You know, they're, they're, they're based on things that are totally outside of our control, right? We understand what they are. By the way, if these things happen, here's what we do. Here's the 20 things that we do have control of. Here's what we're going to do about that. When, when, it's like when, when, you know, if a doctor didn't tell you when you're about to have surgery, what could go wrong? You, you trust that doctor a little bit less, right? So again, but, but that's like knowledge. That's not information. That's not data. That's knowledge. Right. And, We've talked about the difference between, you know, right. And, and, you know, we're, I mean, look, look, experience. At the, look, look at the plan turnover that, that organizations have with their reps. We've talked about that. You don't have time for knowledge. Yeah. Um, for sales organizations, data is more crucial than ever. Yes, absolutely. No question about it. Um, lots of different places for that um, to impact anything. Not, not, uh, nothing particularly. Yeah, I mean, it, I mean it's data useful. is more crucial than ever, but it's, it's also how, how are you going to use it? 
Um, right. I mean, we talk about that all the time. But, which again, goes back to structure. Right. And then for the life of me, buyers and sellers are ramping up their use of LinkedIn. I guess that's the cost of the report. Um, I don't know, Mike, I don't mean to like blast LinkedIn. I appreciate this report, but man, you know what? They've got to do something about all the noise and trash there. I, I open up my LinkedIn. I get a LinkedIn request from somebody and I'm like, oh, okay. I, yeah, I know, no, I know we, I'm, we, I'm developing a probability index of the, the probability that if I accept this request that I'm going to get some useless um, direct message back in under 20 minutes. Yeah. Well, a lot of them are even automated now. It's like, you didn't even have time to write me that. <laughs> There's no possible way. So, so yeah, so I, you know, so I would say six trends. I think it's real well worth it. I mean, I, 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 you know, this is a solid report. Um, I'd love for them to dig deeper into it. Um, any, any final takeaway? Actually, let's go, let's do, what's your takeaway? So my takeaway, uh, and I, I know you're probably going to disagree with this, um, because you shared this with me, I don't know that I would go download it. I feel like it's a lot of just regurgitation. Um, and you made a killer point today, which I think most people don't think about as original thought. This is, a re this, this is regurgitation, in, in my opinion. It doesn't have a lot of original thought behind it. So, so the, the, the place But then it is, it, it gonna, is a state of type report. Well, but but also I'm going to say you know Mike you 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 live in an echo chamber of of people who live breathe and think about this stuff all the time. Fair, 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 right. very fair. And yeah. and I think you know I, I yeah it is regurgitation on one hand, but like you know on there's not a lot that I that I that I looked at and said you know this is crap this is bad, so so it is something to you know I think you could benchmark yourself a little bit how are we compared. I think you could give some some vocabulary and words to where people are feeling some frustration. I mean, so so if you're on the advanced end of of all this, then then yeah, this report's basic. But I think you know if you're in a in a place where you've been so busy, you know, managing your sales organization that that you, you haven't had a chance to get a to get a sense that that that's where I think that there's value. that's okay, absolutely fair, T totally fair observation. Yeah, and, and, and my takeaway is, I, I think if you look, I think, the, I think the report is also more powerful if you look at it in, in whole, rather than least. Um, and as much as I, you know, gave it crap, because that's what we do here, it's got to be somewhat entertaining, at least for us. Um, it, it's, it's the point, you know, my, my takeaway is, look, sell, selling's not broken. We've got to stop saying selling's broken. Selling it, the, the, the traditional sales approach creates precisely the experience that it's designed to produce. It creates a non-buyer first, non-trusted advisor, non-value-added experience. That's what it does. It's not broken. It, if it was broken, it would be inconsistent. It would be at 50%, right? It's at like 20%, right? It's the exception, right? But let, let's, let's address the cause. Because you know what? We talked about this in a, di in a different context a long time ago. Selling's not that hard. I'm, no. I'm the luckiest person on the planet. I'm looking at these things and I'm like, oh, well, you know, you have to understand this is where the buyer's thinking and, uh, and don't create a conspiracy, you know, yeah, we know this, we know this, let, let, let's not lose sight that those are the only two things we know. Let, let's not, let's not take two things and draw the full conclusion that let's look at, right. Let, let's think probabilistically. Um, let, let's look at zigging and zag, right. Yeah, I get to do And it, it's not that it's not rocket science. It's not, it's, it's not insane. Like, I think the underlying structure can get really complicated. Yeah. Right. But you know, plumbing is really complicated. 
And if you build the plumbing right, you put it behind walls. And 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 honest to goodness, we are making this thing harder than it needs to be. And and the reason is is because we keep, we keep trying to patchwork something that you know is doing what it's going to do. Let let if we just think about it differently. And, and you know what it, you know what I'm talking about. You, you you think about the organizations that are the best at this. You think about from a buyer standpoint, a, a sales interaction that you had that was exceptional. Um, actually, you go to the little one at Washington. We're back at restaurants. We started at restaurants. We're going to finish at restaurants. The little one at Washington, one of the great dining experiences in the world, right? They do not have um, MIT graduates that are their servers, right? And they're exceptional servers. It's it's an amazingly orchestrated experience. Why? Because because they structured an amazing experience, and they built a process designed to create amazing experiences. And they look at the underlying system, and they design that system, and they iterate that system, and it enables mere mortals to to unleash their genius. So so they bring people who are who are people geniuses. When you put them in the right circumstance with people, they shine. Right. And if they were to go in another restaurant where they had to do all of the thinking and this and that, and we were algorithming this and doing that, it would be a crappy, shitty experience just like it is. But you go to the Inn at Little Washington and, and they're not it's, it's not patented. It, it's it's not a game changer. But I promise you that you'll probably spend more money than you ever thought you would spend for dinner. Uh, that's very true and, and you'll have and, an, an unbelievable experience and you'll have one of the most exceptional experiences that you've ever had in your life and you know what i think we can bring the same thing to sales that's my takeaway love it amen mm-hmm.